Either they love you or they hate you or they don't judge you. It is what it is. 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 Welcome back to another beautiful episode of Lingo Inc.'s Open Minds. Today we have another magnificent, high vibrational episode for the collective. And today we're going to be talking about addiction. You know, we we all have, you know, addictive personalities, some of us, you know. Uh, a lot of things that we like in life, we tend to gravitate to sometimes more than other things or people. But this episode is called Addicted to Healing, Ascending from Recovery. This episode obviously is brought to you by Lingo Inc. Boutique.com. Make sure y'all check out the latest lines right now. We got the say less, do more, say less, say less, do more. All right, we have the zodiac signs available for men, women, and children, and much, much more coming soon. Multiple colors. We have another beautiful soul here. She is a spiritual healing coach and a modern day philosopher. Follow her at Jess One and One. You see it on the screen here, and at, uh, at on Twitter, and at Starlight Empath Eleven Eleven, One and One, basically. Follow her. Welcome her to the show, everybody. Jessica, welcome to the show. We appreciate you having you on. We spoke about addiction, and I just want the people to know who you are, your experience, your story, and how you came from addiction to healing. One of the common things that I find um, in my life and in other recovering addicts lives are this common it's this common threat that we feel different and i think as a result we feel like an oddball or just like we don't fit in and there is there's longing to be a part of something greater than ourselves and so as a child growing up feeling that way i i didn't know that i was an addict immediately um, um, I experimented with drinking and with drugs in high school, and somehow the drinking really appealed to me. I, I really enjoyed the feeling that I got from being intoxicated. There was this levity. There was this confidence that I had been lacking. I felt funnier, prettier, wittier, smarter. And I enjoyed it. And I didn't start off immediately chasing it every day. It turned, I, I used to be a weekend drinker, if you will. But the way that I see it is that my disease is progressive. So started off the weekends drinking. And then it starts, the weekends start to turn from Friday through Sunday like from Thursday to Sunday. Now the weekends are starting 
on Wednesday, or now it's when there's a football game, a basketball game, any reason, and now I'm drinking to feel comforted. I grew up with two single parents who were young. Um, I didn't have a lot of stability growing up. By no means am I saying that I had a horrible childhood. I just think that that comes into play with the common theme of me feeling like I didn't belong. And so as an addict, you gravitate towards people who are on your same wavelength at the time. I'm not trying to hang out with the covered people. I'm trying to hang out with people that are like me or worse off than me, honestly, so that I don't feel so bad about myself. I can say, I'm not like that. I'm not doing it like that. They have a problem. I don't. And so I look for different coping mechanisms, if you will. I look for different rationalizations and justifications for my behavior. And so I'm like, I'm drinking too much tequila. That's what it is. The problem is the tequila. So I'm going to switch it up so that I can manage and control this better. And I'm going to start drinking beer or wine. There's also, maybe it is the house that I'm living in. So I'll move. It has to be this neighborhood. It has to be these people. So I do what we call a geographic. And I move to another place thinking, once I get to this new place, I'm going to do things different. I'm not going to drink. The thing about addiction, though, for somebody like me, is that the moment that I ingest a drink, a drug, any mind-altering substance, because of my addictive personality, it's almost as if though I'm biologically mandated to consume more. I refer to it as a physical allergy. Because for most normal folks, y'all can go to dinner, have a glass of wine with your meal, say, I'm good. I can't do that. The moment I put something in my system, I want more. There is this incessant yearning to get more and more and more. And it looks different. For some people, it, the pull is immediate. And for others, like myself, it's a gradual process. Let's go with the word addiction, right? The etymology of addiction is tendency, inclination, penchant, severe sense of obsolete, a less severe sense of obsolete, state of being self-addicted to a habit, pursuit, etc. When we think about the, the word, right, it's an inclination, right? Like an attachment. From what I heard, it seems like you was attached to a feeling, right, of what Per se, liquor as maybe a choice for some people. That's what you chose to, you know, have a certain type of feeling, right? To to have an inclination of, you know, it became a habit, right? It came, it became habitual. You're like, I need to, I want to have this feeling, and you was in in pursuit. You was in pursuit of that. What do you feel like makes you think that you per se? are saying that you have a dis-ease of addiction for yourself. Because I don't have the power of choice any longer the moment I ingest a mind-altering substance. My power to choose how I am going to manage and control is out the window. I've lost it all. I have become a slave to this 
thing that I'm addicted to. That is how I choose to look at my addiction. I, I don't have a say in the matter. I love my children. There is no denying that. People that are close to me know that I love my children. And my children, that love for my children, that power was not enough to get me to stay sober because it's beyond anything that I can manage and control. It's not uncommon for an addict to use. What's uncommon is for an addict not to. That's the abnormal situation. What I haven't been able to understand or I haven't been able to uncover is how our brains differ, right? But to me, that's besides the point. I think there's power in knowing our limitations, knowing what I can and cannot do. And I've been able to take my power back by surrendering and accepting that I have an addictive personality, I have addictive tendencies, and therefore, if I ingest this, it's a wrap for me. I lose all power of choice, and it won't take long before my life becomes unmanageable i have a question since you felt like this because this is what's was speaking of past events right yes. since you felt like this at those times do you think or you feel like you was aware of like cause and effect like cause as in programs that you was tuning into that made you feel like you needed to, you know, be on tequila on the weekend or to feel a certain type of way? I feel like that played a part. There's no denying that drinking is very socially accepted in our society. It's almost pushed on us. We see it so much on billboards, commercials, in movies. Any sporting event that you watch is like, you can count how many number of advertisements there are for alcohol spirits. It's normal. It was harder for me to see that I was addicted to this because it's normal. It wasn't like I was addicted to crap, right? Or, or like drugs, hardcore drugs. There are people that are. Yes, for sure. And, and I've worked with a lot of people that have, I'm going to get into this in a minute about being cross addicted because what I've come to know is that this addiction to alcohol was just but a symptom to a much deeper, deeper addiction. Once I started to uncover that alcohol wasn't my problem, it was what I would use as a solution. I was having a bad day, drink. I was having a good day, drink. I do believe the influences out outside in society contributed to it, but deeper than that, there is this biological programming that's different from me versus yours. I, I have friends that can that I've been out with that can drink a half a drink and not have a desire for more. And I look at them, and to me, that's bizarre. I don't comprehend that because I'm the type of person that I'm like, this drink is not enough. I'm going to need like at least two or three to get me where I want to be. And this is a common theme 
um, in society and the culture that we live, right? A lot of people go to parties and, you know, you know, it's just this, this feeling of euphoria that people try to find, whether it's through liquor uh, and certain other drugs, ecstasy, cocaine, you name it. Um, and people just try to, they strive for that. And then what happens, you build a tolerance, right? So at first it's like, you know, that one drink kind of got you there. And then you, you build up a tolerance, uh, just like anything. And then you need two drinks. Then three, then four, then you have the the uh, drink a bottle challenge coming up next. You know, even when you think about smoking weed, you know, I don't think you know anything particularly negative with uh, herbs, right? But people could be addicted to anything, water, right? And if you have too much of anything, yeah, it's not a good thing. Same thing with uh weed right marijuana mary jane whatever y'all people out there in the world call them okay the herb of the grass all right it can start off with a puff or two then some i i even know individuals that they go through eight or four whole blunts or just bongs every day this is part of society culture so the addictive behavior definitely stems from somewhere needing some people are belonging to something, right? And obviously here, there's a conditioning programming to think outside of ourselves, right? So this this needing, this longing for something, even a feeling, right? That's what a lot of people are chasing. And it could become a dark place because once people realize that they don't go within, they're gonna go without, right? Without of themselves. And if they need, to have a feeling to either feel happy uh, or to even some people have stated they needed just to go through the days, right? Mm -hmm. The D-A-Z-E and the <laughs> D-A-Y-S. You see what I'm saying? Because that's what's going on here. The illusion of happiness and all that, right? This thing that everybody's chasing to to look like to even feel like right everybody wants to feel like the man the woman right that girl that dude right so it stems from you know deeper places and then we let's get on the masking right self-medicating right people use substances to either block out past traumas pain physical spiritual mental however you want to place it so it's become more than even just the fun. It's become oh. other things too. <laughs> and some people even would say their experience is just to get away. They don't have to think about anything. Because yes. when in this reality here, there's so much placed on us. So much on that table, right? Let alone your own self. Some people can't even have time to go to their own self. Think about that, to meditate. They don't even have time. They have to deal with the reality. And that's yeah. why we have to take time. What could you unpack of, from, from that? Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like we, we, when I say we, we I'm speaking, speaking about, about myself, myself as an addict and, and as the addict community. community. Like I said, I work with a lot of people in this field and, and we are mal adjusted to life. We do not have the coping mechanisms 
or the tools to be able to handle life on life's terms. And so what we want to do is we want to solve the low consciousness. Because living in this reality, in capital R reality, is too much for us. We don't know how to deal. We don't. So that seems like a solution to us, is let me fall below consciousness. So that like you said, I don't have to think or I don't have to deal with this. What happens is we become dependent, like you mentioned earlier, upon that. This is where it becomes our solution, ties in. That becomes the only solution. That becomes our medicine to feel better to deal with stressful times, to be able to cope with anything. When we decide, when something happens, because it's almost miraculous, the way that I see it, for an addict to choose sobriety over what their natural tendency is. When we choose that, we have, what we are doing is we are creating these new neurological pathways in our brain. We are retraining ourselves that we're not gonna use these old coping mechanisms. They don't work. They worked for a while. They worked really well for a long time for some of us, for some of us shorter, but they worked, but they're no longer working because now we're seeing the manifestations in the 3D. Now our lives are unmanageable. It's harder for us to keep a job. Like, like our appearance starts to go down the drain. We're, we're not, not taking care of our responsibilities. When, when we, we decide, decide to finally accept, I don't know about other people, but I can speak for myself and the people I work with. Nobody was thrilled to accept that they were an addict. It was, that was the last thing that I wanted to come out of my mouth is to say, I'm an alcoholic. Oh no. <laughs> I fought it. I fought it. And I tried almost every imaginable thing you can think of to try and manage and control that. So I wouldn't have to say that. But there's a lot of power, in my opinion, when you know what you can and can't do. I can stop trying to drink like a normal person. I can finally stop because it's not going to happen for me. In this lifetime, I have come to accept that. And I have proof of how much my life has improved because of it, that I, I can't even fathom going back. What would, you, what would you consider a normal person? I have friends that we, that we have this term of endearment and we refer to as normies. <laughs> My friends that are normies are people that can have a drink, have to drink even, and not feel like they need to have six or seven or want to do it again the next day, um, that don't end up trying to score cocaine at the end of the night because they drank too much, trying to sober up, that can smoke a joint. And, and or half a jump and hang out and chill, chill and not feel like they need a bong rip every morning just to get, get through. That's, That's what, what I consider normie people. There are people that can use drugs recreationally and that's great. I, I, I don't, I'm not opposed 
recreational using of marijuana or drugs or whatever. Like, do you? I don't see that as bad per se. I just know that for someone like me who has crossed that threshold into full-blown addiction, I don't have that luxury to smoke a joint like once a week. Like, that's it. So to predict so, uh, a mindset, that's how you seen and you was able to acknowledge that, hey, I have an issue here and through other people's experiences on how they are, I guess, interacting with the same substances that you seen yourself having an issue with on obviously more than a couple people because if it was more than if it wasn't that it wouldn't be normal correct yeah. i guess the first stage obviously is to to know that you have an issue that there is an issue and you compared it to other people which is i think is a valuable lesson for thyself right yeah and if you find yourself doing something and you cannot stop doing it and there's something that says why am I doing this? Or why is it continuing? Then chances are maybe there's something to look at. I'm not deeming you an addict. I don't have the qualifications to say that anyone's an addict. I can only say that for myself. But one of the main components would be like, yeah, dude, if you can't stop, if you want to stop, but you find that you can't, or if you're seeing that your life is getting out of hand, meaning unmanageable. You're starting to miss appointments. You're starting to call off the work. Like it's starting to interfere with your life. Then yeah, maybe it would be, in my opinion, wise to go within and find out what is happening here. Maybe you're not an addict. Maybe you're just going through a rough patch and, and you know, you don't have the therapy or something that can help you. And so maybe that's just all it is. But, but that, that what you were speaking, speaking on earlier, earlier, it's so important to have this relationship with ourselves, to go within, to explore, to have that self-awareness, to know what you can and can't do. That's correct. One, one of the things that I wanted to touch on addiction, because I don't think this gets talked, we hear about addiction a lot when it comes to alcohol and drugs. Uh, there's an addiction to people and relationships and i don't think it gets as much spotlight as alcohol and drugs does because you don't see a lot of people out on the street um homeless because of a broken heart but it's very real on my journey i have met a lot of people who are addicted to relationships and are addicted to other humans that are codependent that um, find themselves being in one relationship after another, serial monogamous, and that's an addiction in itself. Some people are addicted to substances because they're addicted to people. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's this... It's this the only way that I can describe it for the time being that resonates with me is like this... this 
hole inside of you that you're just trying to fill with external things. People, places, substances, situations, experiences, and you still find at the end of the day that you feel like something is lacking. And there is. It's the relationship with yourself. It's the relationship of you with your higher self and being in touch with that. But again, we had spoken earlier to touch back on that. We were speaking about cultural norms, right? Societal rules. It's one of the things that I see people chasing a lot are relationships. They feel incomplete. If they are not with their other half, even that statement in itself, other half, as if as if we are not complete, as if we're missing, we're not whole. Exactly. It has people chasing these relationships, and I can speak from experience myself because I've been, I have been a serial monogamous. I have been chasing for external validation, things outside of myself. I'm an addict. I can be addicted to anything that I can derive pleasure from. I have been addicted to working out, addicted to running. Anything that gives me pleasure, if I'm not cognizant enough to see my behavior starting to change, I can do that. Alcoholically, I say that because I, I call myself an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic, meaning that I will chase it like a drug and want to do it every day. Anything that I can derive pleasure from, pleasure seeker to the extreme. There's hope. It's not like doomsday for us. There's hope because we all know what. Well, I'm going to retract that. We don't, we don't all know, but it has been proven that neuroplasticity is real. We can change the genetics, if you will, of our brain, how it operates, what synapses are firing. We can change and modify behavior. That's what we're doing when we're choosing to go from this addictive personality to a recovering personality. We build self-awareness. We start to see, oh, I'm starting to go down the slope here. I'm starting to want to enmesh my life with this other human. Let me take a step back. Let me talk to another human being about this. You know, let's self-regulate. How can we bring it back to self so that we're not doing those old behaviors? And to me, that's where it's at. To me, that's what this healing journey and process is about. It's about modifying my behaviors. I'm not doing the things today that I did when I was drinking and using. Or I'm not doing the things today that I was doing when I was addicted to sex and relationships. My behavior is changing. Every day I make a choice. I have free will. I get to choose today, am I going to partake in this old behavior that has not ever led me to anything 
worthwhile? Or am I going to choose to invest in myself? And that poll that I was talking about, what am I putting into it? Am I spending time with Jessica? What does Jessica want to do today? What would you say was your great awakening to breaking this uh, this this leash, this attachment to, I guess, your mind, right? Because the mind is a powerful tool, right? Mm -hmm. See how it's programmed and it can be shaped and indoctrined and you know, con you know, conditioned. What was what was your aha moment like? Whoa, that you caught it for yourself. Well, my aha moment, which I refer to as my bottom, I'm going to describe my bottom. This is what it looked like. This is right before I decided to get sober. In from alcohol and drugs, that bottom for me looked like I was on the verge of really, really wanting to commit suicide. I couldn't do it anymore. My life was nothing like I wanted it to look like. I was in an abusive relationship with the father of my children, and we barely tolerated each other at this point. At this point in our relationship, we're doing drugs and drinking just to try and manage. And I hated my existence. I did it. So much that I thought the only relief that I was going to get was if I took myself out. And then, and then I got this thought out of nowhere during that misery. I had a picture of my children. Finding their mother dead. Or knowing that their mother had decided to take her life. And the, the emotional scarring that would leave that imprint that would leave on them. And that was my moment where it like, it shook me to think of the pain that I'd be leaving on. This trauma that I'd be passing on to these children. And I decided to do something about it. That was my turning point. That's where I said, I cannot continue to live like I'm living. So from that point, was you like in a room? Were you in your car? Was you just like already on the substance? Like, well, I don't think you could have that type of profound on spirits, right? Because alcohol is spirits and induces spirits. Like, where was you at? And you was just like, uh, I'm getting up today. And I'm ascending. I I was feeling a lot of um, misery, and I was not drinking. This was probably I was hungover from a night of drinking, and I I was I was here. I was right here in this room, right here when it happened. This is where I did a lot of my drinking. And this is where I had my spiritual awakening, if you will. And then from that point, what was your steps to recovery and 
get into where you're at now, where you're actually helping women go through these issues with themselves. So I, one of the first things that I, that, that came to me and I, I feel like this is all divine intervention type of things. Divine time. There's something new that I knew that I couldn't do this alone. I tried doing it alone. I did. I was successful for 30 days. I, I went, I went to a library to check out a book. Because I saw, I could see the behavior altering, drinking a lot more than I used to. So I went to the library, I checked out a book, and um, I thought to myself, I'm going to check out two books. One is, I'm going to look at what biologically I'm doing to my body when I ingest alcohol so I can scare myself straight. And the other one was called 30 Days to Sobriety. And I was like, oh, it was like a little self help book. And it was like, hey, you might not be an alcoholic. And I love that. I was like, I'm on board with this book. So they gave us like a challenge. Try not drinking for 30 days. And I took on that challenge because I wanted to prove to myself that I was not an alcoholic. And so I didn't drink for 30 days. And I was so over the moon okay, that I didn't drink that I decided to celebrate by getting wasted. Because I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. alcoholic. The irony. So, to go back to your question, um, what I ended up doing is, is, is I knew that I could not do this alone. I tried it several times and it failed. I was going to need help. So, I seeked help. I went online on Google to see where can I get some help for this? And I was given various resources. And some of them were expensive, some treatment centers, things of that nature. I went somewhere where it was free. And, um, and I sat in a chair for an hour. And I heard people laugh, which I had not heard. I had not heard laughter in a very long time. And people that know me know that I'm, I look, that's, I love, I love laughing. I'm a funny, goofy person. And so for a long time, towards my bottom, there was no laughing. So I'm in this hall and I'm hearing people laugh and I'm hearing people share and I'm hearing my story in others. Like, oh my gosh, this person and I, we drink the same. Like you're, you're not the only one, you see? Exactly. That is what helped me. Staying connected, getting a group of people that, like me, are on this journey to healing. And we're healing one day at a time. Having that support system. Because there are days when life gets really lifey. And it's good life really I like that life-y. word for some reason. I don't know if it's a word or not, but I, it gets really lifey for real, though. And without, without that community, without that support from, from the girlfriends. Yes. Because we're all part of this. We are. 
We're all. We really are. So we see ourselves. Support, yeah. We see ourselves in each other, depending on what frequencies that we're on. Sometimes you could be vibing high, some others are vibing. And if you're not there, it's kind of like, how can we, how can we do this? You know what I'm saying? And one thing I, you know, I love to tell, you know, the collective, right, is to be careful of what you label yourself. Remember the power of words, right? Word magic. It's energy, right? There's a vibration of frequency. And the words that we speak, right? Somebody could tell you something and it could bring you down in frequency. You could start feeling low vibes off of just something somebody's telling you, right? But think about you telling you something low vibe. Even calling yourself anything will place... <laughs> being to your energy for you i seen i've heard in the last couple of minutes a moment where a message came to you whether it was through online or wherever you got that message it was divine timing because you asked for it from yourself that said you are not an alcoholic and then as soon as you accepted that yo this thing or this person is right i'm not an alcoholic you just really transmuted alchemized your own reality you now took the label off of you and you put it away and you kept with it for 30 days it's it's much more than 30 days if you don't put the labels on you you see what i'm saying if you put a label on yourself modern day philosopher spiritual spiritual healing coach that's the embodiment of the energy that goes with that it's high vibrational to me right so now you're just like look at what you just did with yourself just even labeling yourself the spells that you put on yourself the energy is rising now Yes, we all do have issues, and um, I call them learning lessons. You said the bottom. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can't go no more lower than that, or you're really going to be, at, like, you're going to go eight feet under. That's, I, I don't know how much more the crust lower you want to get here in the 3D physical. But that's how low it can go, and it's like, uh, I'm actually, I actually don't like to get dirty like that, so I don't want to be under the eight feet. <laughs> when it comes to, like, uh, a face off with yourself, like, uh, what are we doing here? I have these beautiful energies next to me that I brought here. Uh, yeah. So now, as above, so below, polarity, duality, there's always two spectrums to this. You're on the bottom. Now it's like, I need to get up. If I'm on the bottom, I need to get back up. This is acknowledgement, like, at a certain point, right? And you went within, even if some people don't know, I feel like people don't know what that within is because there was never conditioned or taught or indoctrinated to go within. So they can go with 
everything that's out there that they're tuning into, whatever programs they're tuning into. It could be a program of anything, program of love, it could be a program of nature, it could be a program on ESPN, it could be a program on Netflix, it could be a program of uh, friends, it could be a program of alcohol, it could be a program of anything that you're tuning into, your energy, tuning into the programming, schedule programming, right? So mm-hmm. if people are not cautious and aware of what they're actually absorbing, right? comes in and it starts to sink, right? And there's so much going on, so much absorbing in, and then now it's going into your subconscious. People are like, oh, yeah, you, you took it in. You may have forgot about it right now, but it still still took it in. In your subconscious. So now we go through life. Most people are on the hamster wheel, right? Mm-hmm. In this hamster wheel, just every day. You know, and then they kind of step out like, oh, and they hear something. And then they get back into the hamster wheel. And where where have where has that gone? That's gone somewhere. If you if you tuned in, watched it, listened, absorbed, whatever the case is, good or bad, it's it's in here. So now getting all these messages and we have on the timeline, right? This 3D, they have years, time and hours and all that, right? whatever, years here of different types of programming. And then you go through situations and then you get triggered. People don't even know what's going on. It could be something that somebody does or says and it triggers a subconscious program that you got earlier. Now you're reacting to that. Now people are seeking things to to seek remedy. You see that? We have to be very cautious of exactly what we're tuning in to, what we're saying to ourselves, let alone other people. Because when you start labeling yourself these things, I think everybody else, the universe, will start saying it too. Like, oh, yeah, I guess she is a modern-day philosopher. Yeah, that's what she says. I wanted to touch on something you said, something resonated with me. And we're, we're talking about the power of words. I remember thinking to myself, why am I affirming that I'm an alcoholic? Like, why would I keep saying that? Isn't that counter, like, productive? I'm, I'm, like, why would I put that out into the universe? And I had to sit with that for a little bit because I, I believe in law of attraction and I believe in what we say and manifestations. And so it's like, why would I, why would I say that? And what I've come to is this. I can't afford to forget ever, Jerry, that I am and will be an alcoholic. I have known people who have gone 20 years without a drink that forgot that they were an alcoholic because they've been this amount of time without drinking or using. And they go back and guess what? They're still a fucking. They're, they're still, still right, right back, back there where they, they used to be. be. I, don't I don't think, think there's, there's technology or science that can measure when that happens for a human being. being. Like, like where, where that, that line, line is. is. But if, if you are an addict, I don't think you're ever going to be able to use safely. safely. I'm, I'm going to read 
I'm going to change what I said because I've had philosophical conversations with people. Can I drink safely? Probably. Maybe. But do you know the amount of energy that it would take for someone like me to try and drink normally? All of this energy that it would take and this action for me to try and control something that just biologically is out of my control. It's like, for example, if a person has a peanut allergy, but they really don't want to have a peanut allergy, they're going to try to eat peanuts or sneak them in somewhere. And they're going to like use law of attraction to like, like not make themselves allergic to peanuts. Can that person mind over matter it? I, I think they can. I believe they can. But how important is the damn peanut to you that you're going to spend hours and so much energy trying to not have this allergy and this adverse reaction to a peanut, knowing that you are allergic to a peanut? I have a response. You spend your energy elsewhere in a more productive and knowing that, hey, listen, I have a peanut allergy. It's not safe for me to consume peanuts. Maybe I should just like not consume peanuts. So I have I have a response. Mm -hmm. The issue is very simple here. It goes back to words, right? And the key word that I heard why this is an issue is the word try. If you try to walk across the street, you want to know what that looks like? Looks like this. That's it. My arm's moving up. That's what trying. So we both agree, right, that the universe works for us. If I'm going to try to not eat a peanut, that's throwing out crazy signals. Because trying is not doing. Yes. If I tell myself, you know what, I'm going to try, that's like a gray area. If I keep trying, I'm not actually doing. So if I keep telling myself I'm trying... I can see where this, this could take a long time. Yeah. Like, this is where you grab the Snickers. It's a lot easier to accept, to accept that you are allergic to peanuts. It's a lot, you see what it does to your body. You ingest the peanut, you go into the shop or start getting hives. It's harder for you to breathe. I know you don't want to have a peanut allergy, baby. I get it. But here's the situation. You're allergic to peanuts. It's, it's safe, safe if you, you do, do not, not consume, consume peanuts in any fashion. Peanut candy, a saute, chicken. Like, Are you speaking about you know, an energy that actually likes to eat peanuts, but they might be in the hospital? I, that's an interesting... <laughs> I'm talking about uh, uh, addicts. Addicted, but they, they're addicted to pain, that type of energy right there, because... To have hives and have to go to the hospital for peanuts, they they I'm assuming that type of energy would have a great awakening in in uh with the IV or something. That's what I'm assuming. But it, 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 it can be the same said for an addict trying to heal from alcohol or drugs. How many addicts do I know of that have ended up in the hospital with IV bags because they've overdone it? And how many addicts have I met that I are their bottom talking about earlier was six feet underground. They didn't make it. They didn't get a chance to stop digging that bottom. They could not accept 
the, 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 the easier, softer way is, yo, bro, you're an addict. I don't, I, I, I don't know like what it's going to take for you to come into acceptance of this. You can stop trying to drink like a normal person. You can stop trying to just smoke weed recreationally because you're doing it every day. Like there, that's what I meant with the whole allergy thing. There are certain things some people can't do and you can't do. It's important to know which one of those you happen to be. You, you, either they love you or they hate you or they gon' judge you. It is what it is. 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 Being your own, living your truth. All these egos and pride got something to prove. I got my diva inside, cooped in a coop. Keep your feelings inside. I do what I do. I move how I move. Choose what I choose. Third eyes active in motion. Magnificent views. There's too many options, so much to choose. What is for me is just not what's for you. Vice versa. Let it all go. Most of it's not worth it. Just stay focused on your goals and life purpose. Be a student of this life and Never stop learning, never stop learning Nah, there's some shit you just gotta accept Your reality is created by the thoughts in your head You, you, you